morning, everyone, and thank you for joining me again today on Next on the T. We are brought to you today by the great folks over at the French Lick Resort, the Leather Shop, the PGA Tour Superstore, the Bobby Jones Company, and our great friends over at Frogger Golf as well. And if you haven't checked out FroggerGolf.com lately, they've got a wonderful array of products. You know, I can't brag enough about their accessories like the amphibian towel that won the best new product at the PGA Merchandise Show back in 2009 and their great new catch latch technology that easily and securely attaches and releases your amphibian towel, your Brush, clo- uh, brush Pro uh, Club Cleaner right there on your golf bag. It's, it really is a great way to make sure that you're not asking the group behind you, hey, anyone find my towel? So check it out online at froggergolf.com. And let me also say how much I love the new Bobby Jones apparel. The new fall collection is absolutely spectacular. The Bobby Jones brand pays tribute to its namesake for his achievements of excellence now with their sportswear and thoughtfully designed, you know, to preserve the great tradition of Bobby Jones. You can also, when you go on their site, bobbyjones.com, you can still see the playing lessons that Bobby Jones did way back in the day. Many of them still hold true to us today. So, they're great golf shorts are soft. They're comfortable. Their new fall line is just coming out. It's fantastic. Go to bobbyjones.com to check out all their great new apparel. I'm your host, Chris Mascaro, and this morning I am so excited that I get to share two really great guests with you. And first up is one of my favorite guests that I've uh, had the blessing and the privilege to get to know this year, and that's Top 100 instructor Tom Patry. I, you know, I'll talk to Tom about his memories of Arnold Palmer. We'll get some tips with him of how we can bump and run and putt the ball uh, you know, a whole lot better. We'll get his expectations for the remainder of this year's Ryder Cup and what the Ryder Cup is really supposed to be all about. And uh, I can't wait to talk to Tom. He'll be here with me in just a few minutes. Following him, I'll get a visit from Deanna Alfredo. And Deanna is the lifestyle editor of the 19th Hole magazine. She's gotten to play some great golf courses, you know, stay at some great resorts, eat some great food. So I look forward to hearing all about all of that stuff when she joins me a little bit later in this half hour. So we're going to have a lot of fun this morning, folks. I'm so glad that you've chosen to be a part of the show today and take the journey with me over the next hour or so. And like I mentioned, you know, a moment ago, we are sponsored by the French Lick Resort, which is an absolutely spectacular place, folks. Their Pete Dye and Donald Ross design courses were ranked number one and number two up in the state of Indiana by Golf Week. It was the site of last year's Senior PGA Championship. They hosted the LPGA Legends Championship just a few weeks ago. Go to FrenchLick.com to see for yourself how great it is and to book your stay. We're also sponsored by our friends over at The Leather Shop. They are makers of top quality custom-made leather dress, casual, and golf shoes. Folks, do your feet a favor and put them inside shoes. They're going to keep them feeling good and looking good all day long. You can find them online at the-leather-shop.com. And like we do every week here on Next on the Tee, we'd like to kick off the show by saluting the brave men and women that are serving in every branch of our military who are tuning in around the world on the Armed Forces Radio Network. We want to thank all of you for the daily sacrifices that you and your families are making to protect our freedoms and our liberties. We also want to thank our veterans out there for all that you and your families have done for us over the years. It's through your strength and your efforts that our way of life continues to be possible. Folks, if you happen to see a member of our military when you're out and about, wherever you are, whether you're in a restaurant, the grocery store, the airport, wherever you might be, please stop for a moment and tell them thank you. They are our true heroes. Our sincere thanks as well to Sean Cruz and all the great folks over at the Armed Forces Radio Network. It is such an honor for us to have Next on the T being a part of your network. You can find our show by going to armedforcesradionetwork.org. 
And I also want to continue to remind our veterans out there, please be sure to check out globalvoiceforveterans.org. It is a great site with news and articles and a wealth of information that is specifically geared towards our veterans out there that I'm sure you're going to find both interesting to you and beneficial as well. Again, globalvoiceforveterans.org. All right, now back with me on the French Lick Resort guest line is, uh, like I said, one of Golf Magazine's top 100 instructors, Tom Patrick. And let me remind you a little bit more about Tom's background. He's from Middle Island, Long Island, up in New York. In 1973, he won the Long Island Boys Championship and the Long Island Private Schools Championship. In all, he won 15 junior events during his junior golf career. He played his you know, college golf at Florida Southern, where he was a two-time first-team All-American. And in 1981, he led Florida Southern to the Division II National Championship, and he won the individual honors. In 1992, he was in, uh, inducted into the Sunshine State Conference Hall of Fame. He turned pro and played professionally from 1981 to 1988, in both in the U.S., Mexico, Canada, Europe, over in South Africa as well. He later became the director of golf instruction at uh, Westchester Country Club, site of the Westchester Classic for so many years, and several other PGA and LPGA tour events. He's been named the Teacher of the Year, you know, everywhere he's been. Golf Magazine has named him a Top 100 teacher every year since 2000. And beyond all of that, Tom is also an excellent writer. His work is, you know, you can find it in numerous places like Golf Magazine, Golf Digest, Golf Illustrated. You've likely seen him on, on the Golf Channel's Academy Live as well. And uh, like I say, you know, that's all fantastic. But on top of all of that, Tom is a great guy as well. And I can't be thankful enough that he has joined me again this morning here on Next on the Tee. Good morning, Tom. Thanks for coming back on the show. Chris, thanks for having me. And, and just to, uh, to reiterate what you just said, the armed forces and the people overseas were so grateful for them. And it's, it's such a great thing that you, uh, you call them out at the beginning of each show. So thank you for doing that. And, uh, Hello to everybody listening. Ah, thank you very much for that. Yeah, it's an honor for us to, to be able to provide some content to our friends in the, in the armed forces. We are so thankful for their sacrifices. Tom, I, I wanted to start our time this morning by getting your memories of Arnold Palmer. Do you mind sharing some of your favorite stories about whether you watch or been around Mr. Palmer? You know, Chris, it's uh, certainly for everybody been an emotional week about with Arnold passing and uh, for those of you guys who don't know, I don't know if you know this, Chris, my, my son's name is Palmer Jackson Patry. I named him after Arnold. And uh, Arnold had a, uh, a very dear friend who passed about a year before him named Jim Bell, who for a long time was the tournament director at the Bay Hill Classic. And, and Jim and I were old friends from my junior golf days. And I sent Jim a birth announcement when PJ was born, and, and he called me immediately and said, did you do it? I think you did. And I said, I did. He said, well, I showed Arnold the birth announcement. He wants to meet PJ. And I said, well, Jim, PJ's an infant. You know, I mean, I'm not sure that – I'm not sure I understand. And he said, he actually wants you to bring him up here. He wants to meet him. So our schedules were a little different, obviously, and we, we finally got together about a year after PJ was born and went up and uh, brought PJ up to Arnold. And Arnold actually walked out and took PJ in his arms and went into his office and kind of – and I don't mean it appropriately, but kind of funny, funny – ignored us and uh, put PJ on his desk and played with him and made some phone calls. And, and like any grandfather type figure would, you know, would do, he was kind of playing with PJ and talking to him and came out to see us again, took a picture with him. And he said, I got to go. I said, I said, King, you got to go. He goes, yeah, I just stayed here to meet PJ. I was supposed to be on a plane two hours ago. Wow. Um, which was pretty unbelievable. So fast forward, Chris, when PJ turned 15 last year, I felt like, you know, Arnold wasn't doing well. And I, you know, I, I certainly wanted PJ to understand who Arnold was. And although I think he does, and uh, we called up again and Arnold said, bring him up. And we, we spent, a, uh, you know, about a half an hour, an hour with him last winter, uh, 
uh, I'm sorry, winter before last, excuse me, PJ was 15, and, and, and Arnold uh, was tremendous with him, you know, just, you know, asking him. And Arnold was so good at making you feel like it was all about you all the time, you know, not mm. about him. And uh, and PJ was kind of starstruck because he knew who Mr. Palmer was, obviously. And uh, just just a guy that, you know, every time I was around him, we, we had a lunch on a couple of occasions and stuff. It just was always about you, not about him, about what you were doing in your life. And, uh and, and, you know, obviously we've seen his outpouring since he passed of all these different stories. And so my stories are not unique or, or special in any way because he did that with everybody he met. He was just, he was a giver, not a taker, and uh, we'll miss him. You know? Yeah, ab- absolutely we will. You know, it's it's uh, it's been hard. I know it's been hard on, you know, everybody that uh, that loves the game of golf and obviously loves Mr. Palmer, but it's, uh, you know, Tom is, is, is you know, and, and our announcer, Joe Lajanusa, you know, Mr. Palmer was, you know, his first idol growing up. And, and, and now it, it just seems odd to me that we are living in a world that uh, doesn't include Mr. Palmer. Certainly my golf hero, Christian. That was my first golf hero. inspired me to play the game and, and uh, got me connected to the game, got me excited about the game. So uh, we, we've lost a, uh, a real treasure. Tom, let's uh, shift to some of the things going on in and around the game right now. Obviously, the, the major news, you know, after, after Mr. Palmer's passing right now is, you know, the Ryder Cup, right? We got the Ryder Cup going on as we head into, into day two. It, you know, the Americans got off to a really good start sweeping Europe you know, in the opening alternate shot round yesterday and barely nearly got swept right back in the afternoon. So curious to get your thought. What do you expect to see in day two at the Ryder Cup? You know, there's so much great talent on both sides and so much emotion and passion in this event, Chris. You know, it's uh, it's it's an ebb and flow thing. You know, it's uh, somebody makes a run, somebody else makes a run. It, it's so hard to predict. You know, you've got so many great players you know that that have to peak at the right time to play play this game at that level and under and, you know I can't express to you what there I can't even imagine and I and I played some professional golf but I can't even imagine the amount of pressure uh, is involved in, in this in this situation scenario. Listen, we're not playing for money right now. We're playing for pride. We're playing for country. We're playing for team. Uh, it's a whole different environment and a whole different animal. So I, I just think that. Uh, it's so exciting to watch it. You know, I, I you know, I'm, I'm, I'm obviously pro USA, but I have a lot of admiration for the other side too. It's just been fun to watch. Uh, I, I think it's really important today that we, you know, we, we don't have a, a repeat of yesterday afternoon. I think that, you know, yesterday morning, uh, so much was spent on yesterday morning emotionally and, and, uh, and, and from a passionate state that they were a little out of gas in the afternoon. So it's, you have to sustain this over three days and, and, you know, a lot of different match situations. Um, I think Davis has done a wonderful job so far. Uh, I think he'll continue to do a great job. Darren Clark is his equal, no doubt. But there's a lot of golf to be played yet. And it's all going to come down to, as we know, it's all going to come down to the singles when everybody has to tee it up. So I'd like to see them. I wouldn't mind today if, 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 if it was a dead split today. And we got into the singles with a slight lead tomorrow. That'd be just fine with me. One of the other things, Tom, that, you know, even before the matches got kicked off and we've seen a couple of things, one of the bigger things is, you know, Phil continues to be, you know, a little bit um, uh, judgy, maybe is <laughs> the word. Like Chris. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. a little, Chris, a little bit, let me see, let me see what word you're use here, Chris. A little bit what? <laughs> right. I'm, I'm trying to pick my adjective very carefully. Here. Let, let's say, a little judgy about past captains and, and what that's been like. I'm curious to get your thoughts about, you know, Phil being a little bit critical of some of the captains over the, over the last few years. 
You know, you know, Chris, um, I, let, let me start by saying I think Phil Mickelson is an incredible talent. Uh, I mean, off the charts. If, if Phil had lived in any other era but the Tiger era, he would have been Tiger. I mean, the, the record he's put on the golf course, you know, through his years of, com- of competition is off the charts. He's one of the great players of all time. I have a lot of admiration for his talent. Um, I've gotten in trouble before with this type of an interview, so I'm going to get in trouble again. Phil, <laughs> Phil cannot – he cannot keep his mouth shut. He just, you know, once or twice a year, he opens his mouth and inserts his foot. And I think, I think Rory is, is an equal. I mean, Rory, Rory's managed to do that once or twice a year in his career, too. I, I don't understand um, Phil's commentary sometimes. I don't understand where it comes from, what the thought process is, and how he gets to that point. Uh, and I think Rory's demonstrated that. You know, he did that pre the Olympics himself. I think the Ryder Cup is about the Ryder Cup. It's not about Phil Mickelson. It's not about Rory McIlroy. It's not about anything else, but it's about the Ryder Cup. And when, when somebody takes center stage and takes the attention away from the event, I think that's, uh, I think that's unfortunate. And you talk about, you know, what, what the Ryder Cup is about, Tom. And, you know, I mean, I kind of guess if you go all the way back and, you know, you go back to the, you know, the 60s, 70s, you know, what comes to mind immediately to me, because I'm such a big Jack Nicholas fan, is, is the concession and what it was supposed to be about. Absolutely. And Mr. Nicholas always talked about it's just it's supposed to be an exhibition. It's supposed to, you know, promote the game of golf. And it's, you know, it, it's really grown to be much more than that. But, you know, in your mind, what what is remind us, what is the Ryder Cup supposed to be about and what has it turned well, into? Well, I, I, I listen with social media today. Chris and, and the microscope we're under, and, and these players are under as great players, and, and and everybody's under. Whether you're a journalist, whether you're a player, whether you're a caddy, whether you're you know a teacher or a coach, you know, you, I think you have to pick your spots and your words pretty carefully. So I can't picture Jack Nicholas, I can't picture Arnold Palmer, I can't picture Jackie Burke, I can't picture Tony Jacklin uh, or Henry Cotton for that matter. Uh, making the comments about past captains that Phil made. I mean, whether you agree or disagree with your captain and, and, his, and his philosophy, I think out of respect, those kind of arguments and those kind of situations are done behind closed doors in private. The Ryder Cup is about a competition. It's about a camaraderie. It's about a team atmosphere. It's about national pride. It's not about individuals. It's just not. That's just not what it is. It's when the individual gets put aside and the team gets put to the forefront and national pride gets put to the forefront. So I think that, I think that because of social media and I think of course of individuals voicing their opinions about certain things publicly, I think we've, I think we've tainted it just a bit, you know, and I think we need to get back to what it's really supposed to be, which is a fun, healthy competition. That's, that's extremely passionate. I get it, but it's not based on individual opinion. And Tom, you know, let's 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 put you in Davis Love's shoes now for you know this afternoon and and tomorrow. We we've seen you know Jordan Spieth and Patrick Reed. They're they're a great you know you know duo together. They've had some great success. They played both rounds yesterday. They're also out this morning in the foursome. So they played thirty holes yesterday, and, and we hope they they only take some you know as few holes as possible, obviously, to get their win today. But let's speculate a little bit. Let's say they win three and two and knocking on wood rooting for those guys that's 16 more holes today 46 holes you know really over about a 36 hour span if you're the captain 
even though they, you know, they've you know had two wins, you know, they're, they're playing well. Is there any way you're playing them again this afternoon? How do you really set things up so so the guys don't end up being, you know, whether you know you mentioned this a moment ago, Tom, emotionally spent or just you know yeah. physically spent after playing so much golf? I think I think you look at it two ways, Chris. I think one, when you have guys as young as Jordan Spieth and, and Patrick Reed that are running on adrenaline, uh, that adrenaline will fall pretty carefully and pretty and pretty freely for three days. I, I'm, I think that these guys are, are uh, you know, they don't want to sit down. They, they're like a caged tiger or a lion. They want to get out there and fight, and, and they want to go. So I don't think, um, you know, I think at the end of three days they're actually physically and mentally exhausted and they're going to fall down and, and, and pass out, but, um, you know, Davis has got to balance the fact that they want to play and they probably can physically get it done with, with you know, how are they playing? But listen, yesterday afternoon they didn't look too good. They, and now they got outplayed. It's clearly, they got they got ran into a buzzsaw with who they faced. But but uh, it's a balancing act. And it's a hard balancing act. And and I'm not sure I'm experienced or bright enough and have enough of the insight behind the scenes to what goes on that Davis has right now to make that call. Um, if they play well this morning, and if they get on a little bit of a roll this morning, would I play them this afternoon? I got to tell you, Chris, I probably would. You know, I probably would. Because um, you know, I can put them to bed tomorrow night, tonight, and, and they only, they only have 18 to play tomorrow in a singles match. So I, I would might roll the dice on that. If they get drilled this morning, uh, and let's let's God God bite my tongue, I hope that doesn't happen. <laughs> Right. I, 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 I might I might sit them down and rest them a little bit and let them take a breather because uh, because I, I got a lot of talent sitting there behind them. So it's it's a tough call. I think I think you have to look at the uh, like I said earlier the ebb and flow of what goes on and the emotional emotion of what goes on and actually have what goes on on the golf course in terms of quality of play. Tom, last week I had the uh, the privilege of uh, having Mark Dusbabic on the show, one of the one of the lead rules officials, you know, for the PGA. C- curious to get your thought. You know, it, Mark talked about the extensive amount of time and study. He equated it to you know taking the bar exam in, in order to you know know enough about the rules to to pass the test and be a rules official. Which which to me says we got too many rules in the game of golf. If it's really that hard. To, to figure out. And we've had a lot of questions, you know, we've seen a lot of things with guys getting rulings and, and things of that nature, you know, through, you know, through the tournaments and all that sort of thing. But just wanted to get your thoughts. Is, does the, is the game of golf over, over, you know, legislated, if you will, or just, we just got too many darn rules in, in the game. Are there some things that when, even, you know, when you look at it, you go, you know what, we need to get rid of this rule and that rule. Yeah. I, I think that, you know, I, I don't think it's necessarily over legislated, because I think what happens is there's so many unique situations in the game because you're playing on, you know, in some, in some cases, 200 acres of turf and, 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 and weather conditions and, and situations that arise that are, that are unique. We, we, we see so many strange things that occur in a golf course where the golf ball ends up sometimes. So I don't think it's necessarily over legislated. I think that there are a couple of things that, that uh, I don't understand in, in uh in 2016 that are sometimes different in, in America and in Europe, like, for example, rocks in a bunker. I don't think you just have to hit a shot, you know, or if you, if you come upon a rock in a bunker, well, you can't you know, lift the rocks, things like that. Or tapping down a spike mark. Um, I just don't see spike marks as, as rubber the green, you know. So th- those things are kind of silly to me. That I think they're kind of antiquated, and, and I think because of the increase in traffic and, and how finely manicured turf grass is on the putting surface that, should be able to type down a spike mark. But, no, I don't think that's over legislated. I think that it's just a game that 
lends itself to so many unique situations and, and occurrences that uh, that crazy things seem to happen out there. And I think that rules officials today, because of the amount of money these guys are playing for and the amount of pressure they're playing under, have to be almost overqualified to go out there and, and legislate a situation that is, is difficult at times. And, Tom, before we get too far off of the Ryder, Ryder Cup uh, topic, you've posted videos of Seve Ballesteros, and you talked about how much fun it was to watch him play. And, you know, as we look at the Ryder Cup, and, and no one, I don't think, has done more gamesmanship uh, types of things, you know, during the Ryder Cup than Seve did. Talk about, though, your, your admiration uh, of Seve Ballesteros. Well, Chris, I don't know if you know this enough, but I, I, had, I had the great fortune during my Westchester years in the 90s to work with Seve a couple of times, and, and uh, we became, you know, fairly friendly. Uh, he was an interesting, interesting and, and very, very complex individual. Uh, as competitive as you saw him and the, and the public saw him and, and all the gamesmanship, you know, I, I remember working with him for the first time, which wasn't a great deal of time the first time I worked with him, and that, that winter I got a Christmas card from him. Uh, and 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 follow up emails from him and and, they, and notes from him in the mail. He was a he was a very different person behind the scenes than, the, than what the public saw as a competitor. You know, when, when the bell went off and, the, and it was a green light, you know, he was going to rip your face off if he had you to win. And and that that's the competitive nature of a great champion. So I, I don't have any problem with that at all. I mean, the gamesmanship. Uh, there's there's legendary stories about his gamesmanship, and especially in the Ryder Cup. You know, that's I, I kind of like that stuff. I kind of like I, I kind of like the trash talking. Uh, I, I, as, as a New York Knicks fan, I was a huge Larry Bird fan, so I I understand trash talking and and, and its place in the game and and you know how that goes on behind the scenes and on the court or on a golf course. But uh, he was a very complex individual. He was an, an incredible, incredible, incredible talent. Uh, the things he could make a golf ball do, I, I you know I, I witnessed some of it up close. It was off the charts. So I think that uh, the way Arnold Palmer revitalized the, the Open Championship overseas, Seve single-handedly uh, took the Ryder Cup and put it on a mantle that had never been on before, and for that we have to be eternally grateful to him for. Uh, he, he, was, uh, he was a very special, very dynamic, uh, very char- charismatic individual that, that, just like Arnold, uh, when he when he passed, when Seve passed, we lost uh, a treasure. And you know, to your point, Tom, you know, is you got to spend some time around Seve, and no one had softer hands than Seve did. What a great you know chipper and you know imaginative guy that he was out on the golf course. Did you, what are some of the things you know? Did did he teach you things you know that that you've incorporated into you know the oh, things absolutely. that you're now passing on to your students? Absolutely. I, I think in 2016, the, the game of golf, Chris, is extremely overtaught and extremely undercoached. And, you know, in, in an age when we have TrackMan and V1 and video and high-speed HD and this and that and the other thing, uh, the man was an absolute artist. And, and there are things he could do that TrackMan would not read or understand. <laughs> you know, I mean, he was, uh, he, he, was, he was a genius, you know. So, I mean, I, I, I have a lot of I have a lot of respect and regard for technology today, and I think TrackMan is a wonderful tool. But, um, you know, I, I think Seve would have kind of laughed at TrackMan a little bit, you know, um, and, and hit shots that would have confused TrackMan, quite frankly. <laughs> we, I, 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 remember, I remember the first time I worked with him, 
when we got done with our session, and I was kind of I was kind of floored by this. He, he asked me what I what I what he owed me, and I, I kind of was like owed me. I I think I owe you something just for spending time with you. But I said I'll tell you what I'll I'll trade you whatever we just did for you know for a half hour bunker lesson. And we went down to the short thing here at Westchester, and there's a really really deep high face bunker there. And he said, what, what is your question? And we were kind of laughing and joking back and forth with each other. And I said, I've heard you hit, you know, a five iron or a three iron in this situation out of this bunker, and you can and you, you can make it look like a bunker shot. And he started laughing, almost like I, uh, I was being an idiot, which I, which I probably was in his mind. And he got into this bunker, Chris, and I'm telling you, it was a four or five foot face of this bunker to a very closely cut pin. And he took out a three iron and hit shots that I can't hit with a 60-degree wedge if I had 15 chances. Wow. And, and you can't teach that. You, you know, you don't te- And I sat there with my, with my jaw hitting my feet and just thinking, what, what in the hell am I actually watching right now? What, what is going on here? And he didn't hit one, Chris. He had everyone like that. And he, he did wow. it eight or 10 or 12 times in front of me. And I walked away from there not understanding what I had just watched. And I, I felt like I was a pretty good player and a, and a, and a pretty good teacher and, and, and I just knew that I'd just seen something that was off the charts. So um, I think we've lost that understanding with our young people today about teaching the creativity of the game. That's why Phil is so good, by the way. I just knocked him a little while ago about his comments, but I had to give him credit. That's why Phil is so great, uh, because he has a little bit of that in him. I had a little bit of that Seve in him. I think that we've seen certain people through the years that have had, had a little bit of it that have been really special, but, but nobody quite likes Seve. Nobody. I am talking with uh, Top 100 instructor Tom uh, Patry here on uh, on uh, Next on the Tee. And, uh, Tom, before we let you go, I've got to get a couple of, of uh, tips from you on how we can do things differently and better, maybe take a couple of strokes off our scores this weekend. And many many of us weekend warriors, we, we seem to have a deep fascination with our drivers and buying the, you know, the, na- the next, you know, biggest, greatest, you know, longest sitting driver, but we don't spend enough time practicing around the greens, the chipping and the putting. So what's a good tip for us so that we can bump and run the ball closer to the hole? Well, I think the first tip, Chris, before we even go there about short game is if you, if you really want to learn the short game and we just talked about Seve, you know, I think one of the great teachers in the world today, one of the great, actually maybe the greatest teacher in the world today which is available to everybody on this planet for free, is a thing called YouTube. So if you really want to learn things, I, I think we learn a lot of things by watching, you know, and, and using our eyes and opening our minds. I think that if you go to YouTube, there's a tremendous amount of HD film on there of the great Seve Ballesteros hitting short shots. And I think that would be a great starting point. And the second thing you can do this weekend is on the golf course, it's, it's arguably one of the longest most rolling golf courses in the Ryder Cup history at Hazeltine, spend some time watching Zach Johnson play the next couple of days. I mean, what an amazing individual who's not a bomber, who doesn't hit it like Dustin Johnson. As a matter of fact, you know, there's, there's two Johnsons on the PGA Tour, Zach and Dustin, and everybody's enamored with Dustin, who hits at nine miles. Let's keep in mind that Zach has two majors and Dustin has one. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I still think that we can learn an awful lot of, about playing the game of golf from the people who played at the highest level by watching. And if we watch a lot of what they do from 100 yards and in, and we watch the Zach Johnsons of the world and the Jordan Speeds of the world who are not bombers of the golf ball, dissect the golf course that is, you know, I, I don't know how long Hailstein's playing this, year, this week. I, I, just, I imagine it's playing well over 7,000 yards, and it's, 
as wet from the rain that they've encountered out there in the uh, in that area of the country. Um, just amazing golf, you know, in and around the greens, and so many great shots hit. But you know, bumping, and running the ball has become a lost art. Chipping the ball, Chris, has become a lost art because we we all have these sixty degree clubs. We think we should throw it right up in the air like Phil and Seve did. One of the things you have to keep in mind that we don't have Phil and Seve's hands and and gifts. And not that we can't develop those, you know, that, that shot, but playing the golf ball along the ground is a lost art. And I think that, uh, you know, hitting shots around the green in the bump and run fashion with a hybrid today is something that uh, people don't do enough of when you encounter difficult tight lies around the putting surface. And, and, and hitting a, you know, a five, six, or seven iron bump and run shot is something that uh, certainly uh, should be developed. And if you, if you work with a PGA professional out there and have a coach, I would ask that question and want to explore that that uh, that part of the game in great depth because I think it's a, a tool that can save you a tremendous amount of shots on the golf course. Tom, one more before we let you go. Let's talk about putting for a minute. I saw in your most recent uh, newsletter that you know people can sign up for on your website, tompatry.com, that you know 36 putts per round. You were saying that's not very good. And if you, and if you think that's good, then, then let me teach you something, right? So, you know, talk about you know how we can do a better job of getting our putts per round under 30. Well, I, I think if you just go back to pure stats, Chris, you know, just pure stats, it's arguable that about 43% of golf is putting the golf ball. So, 43% is putting the golf ball, and 57% is everything else combined. And if you look at stats, you know, in in raw form, about 11%, which is the next highest stat, is chipping and pitching the off ball. So if you can't putt at a pretty high level, you you, you probably can't change the, the last box of the scorecard, which is the total box. So I, I think that, you know, when I, when I go to the club day-to-day and teach, as I'm teaching and I, and I observe what's going on around me, and I'm pretty good at that, there's a lot of people hitting golf balls, and usually the putting green in the short game area is relatively empty in comparison. So you've got to shift your attention and the amount of time spent. Because, listen, Chipping or pitching the golf ball, bumping, running the golf ball, and putting the golf ball, after their technique is understood, which is not a tremendous amount of information, is feel and repetition is to develop feel and repeatability. So if you're not going to do it a lot, you're not going to get better at it. You know, it's like shooting free throws, you know. I mean, everybody thinks the three-point shot is exciting, but when it comes up to playoff time, defense and, th- and, and free throws are kind of important. So you've got to be able to put the ball at a high level. I mean, 36 putts to me is... Is kind of, I put that in the Helen Keller category. You know, I mean, um, you, can, you can do that as a blind person, you know. So you've got to get that putting stat down around 30 or under 30, which is a combination, Chris, of how well you chip and pitch it to proximity and then how well you convert and then eliminating the thing that I hate more than anything else in golf, which is the three-putt, which is feel and touch for distance control. So, I mean, there's a lot of components there that have to be touched to really bring that number down, but for folks out there listening that play this great game, please invest some time from 30 yards in. Please spend more time on the putting surface. Please develop a series of drills you can do for both speed control and conversion from five or six feet in. You'll, you'll enjoy the game a lot more. Your scores will be lower, and, and uh, you'll take a lot of money from your friends. There you go. Tom, like I mentioned earlier, you've got a wonderful website, TomPatry.com. Let our listeners know all the great stuff that they can find on your site and also how they can follow you over social media as well. 
Yeah, yeah, Chris. You know, Twitter feed, two Facebook pages, uh, the website, which directs you through the website to all those other social media platforms, which is TomPatry.com. I'm located in Naples, Florida during the winter season. I'm just about to kick off my winter season at the Esplanade in Naples. But everything is on my website at TomPatry.com. They can reach me directly at 239-404-7790. I'm happy to take anybody's emails or text messages with questions they might have. Uh, that's what I love to do. So uh, feel free to contact me with anything you might have that uh, might make your golf day better. Tom, thank you so much for joining me again this morning. And, and I read this the last time you joined me, but the message is so important that I, that I want to do it again. And you were quoted in an article that appeared in the Naples Daily News a few years ago as saying, treasure each day to the fullest. Learn and enjoy as best you can from each experience. Let no one event get you down. And finally, thank God for every day your eyes open and you see the sky, which is great advice for all of us every day, Tom. Thank you so much again for being a part of the show. God bless you, Chris. Thank you. All right, Tom, take care. We'll catch up again soon. All the best to you and your family, my friend. Thank you, sir. That is uh, Top 100 instructor Tom Patry, and Tom spells his last name P-A-T-R-I, so TomPatry.com, and you can follow him on Twitter at Tom Patry as well. So many great things there and so many other great stories and things that I want to get into with Tom. So we look forward to getting Tom back on the show as soon as possible. All right, before we get to my next guest, Deanna Alfredo, I want to give a shout-out to our friends over at the Bobby Jones Company. Folks, raise your game to new heights in performance with a brand that's been known for style, character, and excellence for the last 25 years, and that's the Bobby Jones Company. They have an inspired collection of products that capitalize on fabric technology to deliver a modern look and performance while honoring the legacy of Mr. Jones that, you know, delivers on the promise of enduring style. They work hard to earn your respect, your trust, your business, and just as important now, your long-term friendship as well. Communicate that you're here to stay by wearing clothes from a brand that has enduring style and presence, and that's the Bobby Jones Company. Check out all their great styles by going to bobbyjones.com. And while you're on their site, click on the equipment link that you'll see at the top. Uh, They've got a great line of drivers, fairway woods, hybrids, putters, designed by one of the game's most influential uh, equipment designers. That's Jesse Ortiz. You heard Jesse on the show not all that long ago. Jesse, like his father, Lou, and, and, and even Mr. Jones, has a passion for golf and club design. Do you remember his great Triwood Metal Fairway Woods back in the day with Olimar? Well, now he's putting, you know, his innovative designs and creativity, you know, to work for uh, the Bobby Jones Company. So go online. You can go on, like I say, to bobbyjones.com and click on the equipment link, or you can go directly to bobbyjonesclubs.com. Such fantastic stuff that Jesse is doing. All right, we're going to get to uh, Deanna here in just a moment, and we're going to do that on the other side of this station identification. You're listening to Next on the Tee with Chris Mascaro, heard around the world on the Armed Forces Radio Network. All right, now joining me on the French Lick Resort guest line is Deanna Alfredo. Deanna is the food and golf lifestyle editor for the 19th Hole Magazine, which you can find online at 19thholemag.com. She's also got a great website of her own, Deanna Alfredo. Twitter at T the table. And I'm very excited that Deanna is with me this morning here on next on the T. Hey, Deanna, Chris Mascaro here. Thank you for joining me on the show. Hi, Chris. How are you today? I'm fantastic. How are you? Oh, it's a dreary wet day in Michigan. So no golf in sight today, unfortunately. <laughs> oh, sorry to hear that. So, <laughs> 
Deanna, you know, I, first of all, I love your Twitter feed and I love your blog, you know, which talk about so many great places, you know, that you've been, you got food ideas on there. You talk a little beer too, which, so it's, it's absolutely perfect for, for us. So <laughs> let's, let's start by talking about some of the great places that you've been able to travel to and play golf. What are your summer, what are some of your favorite places? Plus maybe some places folks may not be as familiar with that you think we should have on our list of places to stay and play. Oh, wow. Um, it depends on regions. I have one of my favorite um, areas to go play golf is Virginia. It is really a hidden gem as far as really great golf resorts and, and clubs and really to have that whole experience. For me, what I enjoy the most about traveling and playing golf is the experience side of golf. You know, I'm not a tour professional. Most of us are not. But the avid golfer might enjoy traveling and everything around the game, like great places to stay and great food and drinks and people. And Virginia is the embodiment of all that. Um, actually, we're going in two weeks to a club called Ballyhack Golf Club in Roanoke, Virginia. And that's a private club. But, you know, there are Nick Faldo's a member there, a Sir, Peter Costas and a few other people. And it's one of those places where you – go and you park your car and you, you stay in cottages on the resort and you jet out the world and just play golf and enjoy the, the game of golf and the lifestyle around it. So, you know, and, and I saw some of the pictures I think you posted uh, for Ballyhack. It looks absolutely spectacular. So yeah. are, there, are there, are there courses now that, you know, that you've got lined up or you want to go see that, you know, are still on your bucket list that you'd like to, you know, first play and then uh, review and uh, let us know about? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, I've spent some time, you know, throughout most of the areas of the United States and the Caribbean. I haven't gotten to go to Ireland or Scotland. That's a bucket list trip, of course. Uh, Pebble Beach ranks up there. And, you know, one of my goals is someday crossing my fingers would be great to play in the, the Pro-Am there. Um, yes. Those are a few of the, the resorts. Bandon Dunes, we were going to go there um, last October, and then there was some horrible weather, and we weren't able to head there. But, oh. you know, the journey in Bandon – we were going to do the um, the wine region on the way there. So really have that, again, lifestyle trip around golf and, and that enjoyment. So talk about some of the places that you've traveled to that, uh, you know, that you've been able to stay and, and, and be a part of that, uh, you know, we need to go check out online or, or on your site. Uh, I, I got to imagine you've seen some fantastic places. You know, I have. Um, one of my last year, last October, one of my favorite experiences, I had the opportunity to go to, um, Sandals Resort in Emerald Bay and play golf with Greg Norman. And that was a trip of wow. a lifetime, actually, you know, three holes of golf with Greg Norman with two other people. And it was remarkable. He, he designed the course there at Emerald Bay and they had invited about 15 of us to go and spend about two days, you know, time on the range with him, dinner, experiencing his wines. And it was a really intimate event and it was joy. You know, I was the only female writer there. So that was a, a fun twist on the questions I asked him, you know, his daughter and son are very involved in his other ba brands and he's just a really, really amazing business person. Uh, so be able to pick his brain a little bit that way. But I remember I was on this part three, that was the most beautiful hole and here's the ocean lapping up and it's an elevated tee box and very difficult and I hit this tee shot, and it was actually really good. And Greg Norman pulls up. And I didn't – like, I knew it, he was there, and we were playing, and we played three holes, and it was a great experience. And then he pulled away, and I think the enormity of it hit me that I just took a selfie with Greg Norman and played three holes of golf, and I was done. <laughs> <laughs> My round was done. I, I said, okay, it's the 17th hole. Let's go in. I think I need a cocktail. Like, um, that – 
It was a great. Dan, talk about some of the great places where the food has been really good. You know, some, uh, for the foodies yeah. out there, where is some Absolutely. great food to be had? And, you know, it might seem a little cliche as the Masters, uh, but I had a great opportunity to go to Berksman's place while I was at the Masters. And for people that aren't aware, it's a almost like a club within the club off of the number five tee box. Yes. And you have a pass that's good for a couple of days that you purchase. And you walk in the doors and it's almost this restaurant shopping drink mecca where everything's included in your ticket. And I did a progressive eating one day with um, a group of people and we had snacks at every place. And then they have putting greens that are set up like 16 and 17 that are just like the course. And you can putt a little, sit outside, have a cocktail. I had the opportunity to meet Condoleezza Rice that day and then go back onto you know, the course and enjoy all that. But you know, the tradition. I really enjoy the traditional aspect too of Augusta, and the pimento cheese sandwiches are all that they're cracked up to be for. I think a dollar fifty. Yes, Augusta National is, is people that listen to this show know is my favorite place on the planet. You can tell me, you know, I'll, I'll pick you up and sit you down anywhere on the planet. Chris, where do you <laughs> want to be? I'll, I'll I'll choose Augusta National every single time. So I'm jealous that you've got to go to Berkman's place. So good yeah. for you. And I got so, to go up Magnolia Lane on Sunday, like enter like really? a player. And yes, that, that was probably one of those knee knocking times when I got out of the car, I was in, on, in a player's car. So I was very fortunate and just walking from that viewpoint, it's just, it, you know, it was hands down one of the best experiences of my life. So, wow. No doubt. Good, good for you. I am jealous. <laughs> so well, come hang out with me <laughs> absolutely please let me know how to do that i definitely <laughs> so deanna you were telling me that you know you've done some shows with you know chris demarco on sirius xm's mm-hmm. pga channel and, and so along with chris and you talked about greg norman who are some of the players or people in the industry that you've uh, enjoyed spending some time with oh yes you know actually how i really got involved and created this tea to table concept I was down at a Symmetra Tour event um, a few years ago, and I had the opportunity to meet Mallory Blackwelder. And Mallory was on the very first big break, Big Break Ireland, and she finished pretty well. I think she finished third. And she actually met her husband there, and he's uh, Julian Trudeau, and he's a caddy for Graham Dillette. But I had met her that day at the Florida's Natural, and she just impressed me as an up-and-coming LPGA player. She handled herself so well on and off the course. And I ended up sponsoring her for a few years on the tour. And that kind of really opened some doors for me. I've had the opportunity to, um, you know, part of my master's trip, I was with Billy Horschel and his group for two years and the year leading into him winning the FedEx Cup. So that was really exciting time to, you know, know Billy and his family and really feel the excitement when he won. Um, That was pretty amazing. And I got to play uh, a round of golf with Jessica Corda at the Coach Championship last year. And Coach Golf is the only female design golf club out there. I started playing that last year and and have become involved with them. So, again, I feel like a pretty lucky girl. I have to pinch myself sometimes with some of the experiences I've had the past few years. Yeah, and and expand on that, you know, that Coats Golf. It's a company, right, that that makes golf clubs yeah. and apparel specifically mm-hmm. for women that I don't know that, mm-hmm. you know, people know enough about. Talk about their equipment. Absolutely. They're based out of Ocala, and they've spent a few years before they launched their project really in the research and design phase of how does a female body move when swinging a golf club. We are different than men. And it was amazing because I played, you know, the – 
high-end male clubs because of the type of player I am and being athletic and those types of things. And they sent me a set of clubs to demo. And the first time I was swinging them, I was with um, my swing coach and we had, you know, the track man and the K vest on and the numbers were so amazing, like just smash factor and all those things. But the natural feel of them is they're, the epitome of it is they're designed for the competitive female golfer. Uh, they're working. I think Julie Inkster is one of their lead um, tour players playing the clubs and there's just this different feel. And I'll tell you what, some of my male friends are kind of jealous. They want to play them too. <laughs> Great. And Deanna, by, by the looks of things, you know, it, it, it seems like you've gotten to be a part of some really fun events. Again, talking about the thing you were able to do with Greg Norman, but what are some of the other things that stick out to you that you've gotten to be a part of? You know, I've been to some really great events with the 19th Hole Magazine. Uh, I led a panel discussing golf and where is golf going? What do we need in golf? You know, I think a lot of people talk about how is golf going to be sustainable over the years, and that's involving families, maybe having shorter play, you know, 13-hole golf courses. So it's been very exciting to be part of, you know, focus groups and discussions on where can we get golf to go to have that sustainability and attracting female golfers and speaking to women's groups on how did I become involved with golf? I've only been golfing for five years. And what led that to me, me to golf? It is, mm. you know, being in the business world and using golf as a tool and helping women be able to feel comfortable in any setting on the golf course. So now let's switch gears a little bit. Let, let's talk a little beer. I saw your post that there are <laughs> 205 breweries. Up there in Michigan. So there are great beer. Uh, you know, Atwater Brewing, a lot of people know that name. Um, they, you know, they're a more nationwide uh, label. But what's so fun is just being able to hop in the car. And, and, you know, I'm in a suburb of Detroit, Bloomfield Hills, which I'm two miles from uh, Oakland, Oakland Hills Country Club. But it's great to, like, hop in the car and go downtown Detroit, which was unheard of, right, 10 years ago. And right. there are all these little craft breweries that you can walk to and enjoy their food. And, you know, we have one place called Green Dot Stable who has all the craft beers, but they also have 30 different kinds of sliders. So you can go there and have just a, a taste fest and a drink fest at the same time. <laughs> And, and Deanna, you posted back in, in, in August, you know, pairing beer and bacon. I'm not sure it gets much better <laughs> than that. The you know, picture showed some interesting looking strips of bacon. So talk, what was yes. that about? Um, you know, it's one of the local breweries here and they have a bacon platter. So some of it's maple glazed ba um, bacon and, you know, hot bacon and I, chocolate bacon. And it, it was just a fun experiment. Let me tell you, it's not, not something you do every day. But the saltiness with the crispness of the beer, I think that's pretty spot on. I'm talking with uh, Deanna Alfredo here on Next on the Tee. And, uh, Deanna, just a couple more before we let you go. I was checking out your YouTube channel, Tea to Table, and, and one of your videos that you show on there is from the John Deere Classic talking, yes. you know, talking to folks about Shake Day, right? Now, yes, a, a beer, day. bacon, now Shake Day. What it, for those who aren't aware, talk about what Shake Day is. Oh, you know, go, going to the John Deere was it was an amazing opportunity as well. I was able to do three spots on their local TV and do interviews. I did an interview with the chef out at the course that hosts the John Deere Classic. I also got to interview the Entrevero family who hosted Jordan Spieth that first year when he got the exemption, the sponsorship to play in the John Deere, and he actually won. 
And that was that was really exciting. I went to their home and I played basketball with their 16-year-old right where Jordan was. And that was a great experience. But Shake Day, Shake Day is hosted by Whitey's Ice Cream. They're a 100-year-old ice cream manufacturer in the Tri-County area there. And I had the opportunity to meet both of the owners, their brothers, and taste the ice cream. That was a rough afternoon, let me tell you. <laughs> and <laughs> what they have is shake day on um, Tuesday of the tour championship er, to the John Deere Classic, and they bring in shakes for the players. And it's really great. I know the players really enjoy it, and some of the tour wives say they should limit them to one shake a day. <laughs> <laughs> And you know, one, you know, one of the great things about the game of golf is it, it sort of gives us time to build relationships, whether it's, you know, friendships or over business and that sort of thing. Talk about some of the things you've been able to do out on the golf course. Yeah. Like I said, I have a business that I've had for 14 years outside of um, tee to table the last several years. And I became involved in golf because I would travel to trade conferences and conferences hosted by my clients where you didn't, we don't have the opportunity just to go in and say, hey, let's do, do lunch to build our relationships. There are golf tournaments that kick off the conference. And the first year I attended, I was 1% of females in this industry. And I looked around and I said, how do you guys know each other? And they said, well, we played golf yesterday. So the next year, I better, you better believe it. I had a cute outfit. I had taken a few lessons and I was out <laughs> on the golf course. <laughs> and Really what I learned is that golf is one of those only times in our modern age where electronics are forbidden. You shouldn't really have your phone out. You shouldn't be on you know, your social media as much as possible. Those types of things where you actually engage with your playing partners for, you know, let's hope, four and a half rounds, sometimes four and a half hours, sometimes five. But um, I found that that's the only time that it, there is that uninterrupted time. And it really, it is a great relationship builder, whether you're in business or with your family or I have a 13 year old. And let me tell you to have that four hours where it's uninterrupted is priceless. Deanna, one more before we let you go. And, and when you're sitting around, you know, whether it's with family or friends, what are, what are some of the favorite stories that you like to share with them about your experience, whether it's being at a tournament or players you've met or, or places you've been? What are, what are some of those favorite stories you like to share with them? You know, I think it's, it's, it's twofold. Having spent time with a lot of the players and their wives, you know, we get this sense of, they're, they're almost like superstars to us, right? We see them on the TV. We see how great they are at the sport. But at the end of the day, they're so family-oriented, and um, the tour wives have such a great philanthropic focus in some of the events that they do that it's the behind-the-scenes, and I think that golf is unique in that respect because we're always having charity events and those types of things in comparison to other professional sports. I really found this, this sense of family, um, behind the scenes. And then on the other aspect of it, the, you know, the golf lifestyle and just being able to travel and enjoy those things around a sport uh, is you can't really go out and do that playing basketball, maybe skiing you can, but I think golf is one of those unique hobbies or, you know, focal points where you can go and travel to a resort and have a spa day and all these things. It's not just golf. There's so much around it. Deanna, before we let you go, tell our listeners again, how can they follow you? online and over social media as well absolutely i have a facebook page that is list you can google either deanna alfredo or tea to table you can also find my website at www.t2table.com 
And I will be on Instagram and Twitter if you search under Tita Table or my name. You can find me. So good stuff coming in the future. There you go. Deanna, thank you so much for taking time out of your morning to, to be a part of the show. It was fantastic to, you know, to catch up with you and hear about some of the, you know, the great things that you've been a part of. I hope you'll come back and continue to share with us, you know, some of the, the new things that you get to be involved with. And then, you know, as, as things grow for the 19th Home Magazine and Tea to Table, that uh, you'll share those things with us. So uh, it's been a, just an absolute delight having you as part of the show this morning. Oh, thank you, Chris. It's been a lot of fun, and I'd be happy to come back. Thank you, Deanna. Take care. We look forward to catching up with you again real soon. In between now and then, all the best to you and your family, Deanna. That was Deanna Alfredo. Again, the website is tita-table.com. You can find her on Twitter at tita-table. She's also got a website, deannafredo.com. Uh, so, and then the, the magazine is the 19th Hole Magazine, which you can find online at 19thholemag.com. Really great to get to have the opportunity to talk to Deanna, talk about some cool experiences. And then, boy, does, does it get better to talk about the great places she's been, the people that she's been around, and we get to hear about you know, great food, beer, bacon? Come on. It doesn't get any better than that. Good for Deanna. And then she gets to go to Berkman's place. You want to talk about jealous. You guys know how, you know, how, how much Augusta National means to me. And to think that she got to go to Berkman's place and then travel up uh, Magnolia Lane as well. Wow. All right, folks, it's time to be, for me to put a bow on this, this episode. But before we close up shop, I want to continue to remind you about our friends and our partner, PGA Tour professional Jim Estes, and the great folks over at the Salute Military Golf Association. Let's hear from Jim about the great things that they're doing. The Salute Military Golf Association was created to provide rehabilitative golf experiences to the brave men and women who have been wounded while serving our country. Hi, I'm Jim Estes, PGA Golf Pro and co-founder of the Salute Military Golf Association. With my adaptive golf program, we've successfully helped thousands of soldiers in their recovery, both mentally and physically. The SMGA has been providing family-inclusive golf experiences across the country since 2007. To date, the SMGA has equipped more than 1,000 warriors with properly fitted golf clubs and has extended its clinic series to more than eight chapter and affiliate locations across the U.S. If you are a wounded veteran interested in participating or if you'd like to learn more about the Salute Military Golf Association and find a chapter closest to you, visit our website at smga.org. We've seen firsthand how impactful golf can be in aiding one's recovery. The Salute Military Golf Association, empowering wounded veterans one fairway at a time. Visit smga.org. That's smga.org. Yeah, Jim and his staff, they're doing some amazing things at the Salute Military Golf Association. Please, to find out more information and to see how you can get involved, go to their site, smga.org. All right, everybody, my sincere thanks again to Tom Patry and uh, Deanna Alfredo for making today's show so much fun for me to be a part of. I hope you enjoyed it, too. Please also check out our sister show, Thursday Night Tailgate, with me and my co-host Bob Lazari, our announcer Joe Lajanusa as well. That show airs live every Thursday from 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time. You can find it on Blog Talk Radio, the Armed Forces Radio Network. Plus, you know we're all over the net as well. We're available on iHeartRadio, Spreaker, Stitcher, TuneIn, Player.fm, SoundCloud, our good friends over at Podbean. So please check out that show. Every week we are joined by legends from around the NFL. Uh, please also check out both shows on Facebook. Give us a like. That's important to us, too. You can find you know, this show, Next on the Tee with Chris Mascaro, Thursday Night Tailgate. Uh, you can also find this show online at nextonthetee.net. From there, you can stream or download any of our archive episodes for free, plus keep up to date with who uh, some of our future guests are going to be as well. 
Folks, thank you again for choosing to listen to this show today. We know you've got thousands of choices out there. We really appreciate that you're making Next on the T one of them. Until next week, hit them straight, my friends.